We arrived on scene, saw the male. He had a gun, saw the weapon. He saw us. He took off running. We were in pursuit. And um, so I'm on the microphone driving while my partner's out on foot, and I'm trying to let everybody know where we are, call up back up. Nobody came. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. What up, what up, what up, fam? Welcome to the latest edition of the Black and Blue Podcast, where we celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. My name is Dale, and I am the host. Thank you for stopping by for this episode, because it promises to be a good one. But before we go there, hey, let me ask you all to please click those like, subscribe, and bell icons right down here on my YouTube channel. And if you listen to me on your favorite podcast platform of choice, hey, make sure you rate the Black and Blue Podcast five stars. And finally... Make sure you check me out on any one of my social media pages for even more content. You can find me everywhere at Black and Blue US. All right, so with that down, hey, let's get right down to it. My guest today is the Chief of Police for the Greater Cleveland Transit Police Department in the great city of Cleveland, Ohio. So everybody, let's give a warm Black and Blue welcome to Chief Deidre Jones. Hey, Dale, how are you? I'm great, Chief. How you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Excellent, excellent. How's your day shaping out there in, in the great city of Cleveland? It's Monday. That's that's about all I got for you right now. It's Monday, but the weather's pretty good. The sun is out. No snow, so no rain. I'm good right now. All right, all right. What's the weather like today? I mean, it is the, supposed the to be about rise. sixty today, but. Okay. Every Monday, I call them Manic Mondays. So it's, you know, it's Manic Monday. So, but it's, it's, it's shaping up pretty good. Nice, nice, nice. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned that you are in the, uh, in the great city of Cleveland. Are, are you from Cleveland? Are you born and raised or? Born and raised. Born and born raised. Born raised. Yes. Nice, nice. I'm originally from Columbus. So, you know, we got that little rivalry. Yes, we do. <laughs> but we still, but we both like Ohio State. Yes, Ohio State okay. is the the Ohio State University. There you go. The Ohio in the, in State the country University. right now. Number okay. one in the country right now. Yep, yep. So I'm still mm-hmm. still following them. You know, I've been okay. out here longer than I was over there. I came out here when I was about 14. So, but you know, I still got family over there. So we we visit every now and then, and okay. uh, you know, so I still keep up on OSU. And okay. uh, yeah, so I, I appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate it. So uh, I, I stated right there, and you can see it right there on the banner, everybody, that uh, she is the chief of police for the Greater Cleveland Transit Police Department. Tell everybody a little bit about that department for those of us that don't know. So, so yes, and, and first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, the Absolutely. Greater Cleveland Transit Police Department is uh, one of the visions of the Greater Cleveland uh, Regional Transit Authority. Um, it is a public transportation agency. And our police department is about 100 strong. Um, I have been here now for about 
two and a half years. And our transit police department is different than other municipalities because uh, we actually deal with anywhere between 35 and 40 different police agencies. So we are countywide. Uh, wherever our bus and trains go, that's where we patrol. And we patrol approximately 500 square miles. So with about 100 officers, we stay pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Mm-hmm. So you, you said you, you've been there for two years. Where, where were you at before that? Uh, before that, I was uh, with the Cleveland Division of Police. Uh, and actually, I've been in public service now for almost four decades. Uh, oh, wow. I started out, yeah, I started out as a paramedic and transferred over to the Division of Police uh, back in the 80s. Uh, some people listening right now may not have been born back then, but um, I started out there in the 80s. And uh, I've had a few different positions. Um, I started out in, in uniform patrol. I became a detective, a vice detective, where um, I worked some undercover uh, jobs. I, I posed as a drug dealer, a drug user. I posed as a prostitute. Uh, that one I hated more than yeah. Yeah. Um, And I also did investigations. Domestic violence was my thing. I, I was a big domestic violence detective. And I became a sergeant in 2009. And uh, went back out into the streets, which I loved. Uh, but I had a stint in internal affairs. Uh, I went back to the domestic violence unit as a sergeant. And I became the first female supervisor. Uh, well, the first female to supervise uh, the city's homicide unit in the history of the division. So um, in 2016, I became a police commander where I oversaw the hiring, training, uh, and all the administrative facets of uh, the Cleveland Division of Police, and for a short time before coming to RTA uh, or to Transit Police, I was the acting deputy chief of administrative operations for the city of Cleveland. So I've had, nice. I've had a long career. Yeah, <laughs> I see that. I see that. Mm-hmm. All right. And I uh, appreciate you for all your service there over there at, uh, at Cleveland. Thank you. Uh, Division of Police. And now you're over here at... Um, so, so there's a, I'm sure there's a close working relationship between uh, the transit police and the division of police. Why don't you kind of tell, tell them a little bit about that uh, relationship? Sure. Uh, because we cover the county, uh, that includes uh, the municipality of Cleveland. So we have a great partnership with uh, the city of Cleveland and with their police department. Uh, actually, some of, some of uh, our investigations are handled only by Cleveland Division of Police. And that are more serious uh, investigations, such as sexual assault and any homicide that may happen on or around our um, our system. Cleveland, uh, if it happens in Cleveland, of course, and the Cleveland Division of Police handles. Um, so we have a great partnership with them. Uh, like I said before, our, our department goes everywhere our buses and trains go, but the majority of uh, calls and, and calls for service that we get happen to be in the city. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. That that's awesome. And uh, but you said it it also you know crosses other jurisdictional lines as well, other cities and and things of that nature. So you have the same sort of relationships with those agencies as well, correct? Yes, we do. Uh, we have nothing but right now positive relationships with every municipality that we deal with. Yes. That that's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What 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 drew you to this department? Um, well, um, I believe that I had gone as far as I was going to go with the um, Cleveland Division of Police. 
and I was looking for a leadership role. And uh, Transit Police came up. I took a look at it. I looked at uh, the history of Transit uh, Police and also the history of RTA. And when I was a kid, I used to ride the buses and the trains. So um, I saw it as something that I would definitely be interested in. Uh, I met the leadership there. And uh, based on those interviews and those conversations, I knew that it was an agency I wanted to work with. So, and, and it's paid off. I have, uh, there's great leadership here uh, with my COO, Dr. Dr. Caver, Dr. Flounce Caver, and with the CEO, uh, India Bursantiri, who came from uh, public transit uh, in Nashville. So it's, it's been a good working relationship. Awesome. Awesome. So what, what, what kind of drew you to law enforcement in the first place? I know you said, you know, you, you, you rode the, uh, the buses and the trains as a kid. I did. did you kind of see police cars, you know, as a, as a kid and you wanted to do that as well? Well, the funny thing about that is when I was a kid, my mother, well, my mother always wanted to be a police officer. Um, okay. And she used to watch all these cop shows when I was a kid. And then, and I know I'm going to date myself now. I'm going to tell everybody my age, but <laughs> we watched Hawaii Five O, and I'm talking about the original Hawaii Five O, yeah. oh. Bookum Dano, Hawaii yep. Five. Yep. Uh, the FBI in color, uh, the Untouchables. We used to watch all of those shows, and every single time I just be glued to the TV. And I knew just from watching those shows that I wanted to be in law enforcement. And it, I actually had one of two choices: it was either going to be uh, law enforcement, or I was going to be a roller derby skater. And the roller derby skating thing didn't pan out, so here I am. Wait, what? what, what a roller? <laughs> roller you got derby law enforcement <laughs> or a roller derby? We can't just gloss over that. Can't just gloss <laughs> over that. <laughs> What's the story well, there? You know, my mother was very active with us. She used to take us uh, places, teach us how to. You know, she taught me how to fly, she taught me how to skate, and she used to always take me skating. Uh, twice a week, we go skating, so I was big on it. It was one of the things I loved. And then she took me to a live roller derby event. And I said, that's it. I want to be a roller derby skater. So it was one of the two, either law enforcement or roller derby. And so I chose law enforcement. Did you ever <laughs> compete in, in roller derby or? Oh, no, 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 no. No, oh, okay. no not like that. I didn't, I was afraid of getting knocked down. So, uh, yeah, I, I figured law enforcement actually was probably the safer choice. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen uh, some clips of those things and they can get dirty. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. So oh, no, yeah. I was good with I'm I st- I'm glad I stuck with what I did. All right. <laughs> and uh so you decided to join the police department over there. Uh <laughs> so you went to Cle- Cleveland was the only agency you went to, correct? Cleveland was the only agency I applied for. Um when I took the test, uh, I got a call back and and scored very high on the test and got in the first academy class that was off that test. And uh it was a decent sized class. It was about 60 people in the class. And, and I noticed that in that particular class, we had a pretty good mixture of diversity, even though they didn't talk about diversity back then. We had a very diverse group in class. Um, and uh, six months in the academy, went out on patrol, and, and uh, it just took off. After. It just took off. Yeah. You mentioned diversity. Uh, do you mean mm-hmm. diversity as far as? Uh, different people of different races or were there a bunch of females? Cause I know this is a male dominated profession. Surprisingly, we had both in, in, uh, wow. in our Academy class. And um, I think it was, it was one of those things. It, it was an accelerated Academy. Usually academies run about close to six months, 
But this was an accelerated academy because they were so short. And we went in and we did 13 weeks, six days a week, including holidays. And we went out on the road. Now, what I will say is that while the, the class was very diverse, um, and I went to a district, though, where at the time we had a commander who was very clear, uh, made it known um, that there were no qualified minorities or females for any of his specialized units. Uh, and this was after my third year being in that particular district. So I, I did the next best thing and transferred to another district. And within a year, inside of a year, I became a detective in, in the vice unit. So somebody yeah. saw my value and said, hey, can you yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so you saw that as, as not agency-wide where that, that kind of culture, that belief was, that females or minorities couldn't couldn't do the job. That was mainly just that specific uh, captain or commander, right? Well, I think I, I think actually back then, back in the eighties, there was still some resistance to females being on the job. And and I can only speak from the experience here in Cleveland. I'm I'm not sure about nationwide, but this it's it was my experience here in Cleveland that there was some resistance to females being on the job. Um, when I did move from one district to another, and before I went to the vice unit, I was selected, I worked on an all-female car. So it was three females at the car, uh, and we were in uniform patrol. And, and our thing was um, we loved uh, auto theft and we loved drug arrests. So we were out there, and we were, very, we were very assertive. We were out there on the streets every day, and there was some pushback from that. Um, we made officer of the month several times, drug arrest leader of the month several times. Um, we got this big headline uh, and did an interview on the news. And I noticed that there was some pushback. And, and if I can, um, there was one incident in particular where my partner and I were actually chasing a male with a gun. We arrived on scene, saw the male, he had a gun, saw the weapon. He saw us, he took off running, we were in pursuit. And um, so I'm on the microphone driving while my partner's out on foot and I'm trying to let everybody know where we are, call up Becca. Nobody came. Uh, shortly after, I guess maybe about 10 minutes or so, after we had the mail in custody, other cars started to show up. And I was so upset. I'm like, where were you guys? Where were you guys? And what we were told by some of the younger guys was that every time I tried to broadcast our location, and the description of the male, somebody kept keying the mic. And back then, if you keyed the mic, then it interfered with your broadcast. So they weren't getting the information. So I would say that, you know, while there was some diversity, there were still some people who were resistant to diversity and were pretty pretty active in, in kind of showing their resistance to it. Wow. I mean, because mm -hmm. that could have that could have resulted in the death of, of you and your partner. I mean, to oh, that extreme, right? Absolutely. Absolutely could have ended bad. So, but, uh, wow. but we got through it and it never slowed me down. I never said, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work as hard. I'm not going to do as much. Um, I remember actually being pulled to the side by a black female who was one of my training officers at the time. And she told me that I had to slow down. She said, you're doing too much and you're making some of these guys look bad. But that wasn't the goal. I was out there because I enjoyed what I was doing. I was having right. a good time with it. Just like now, you know, almost 40 years later, I'm still having a good time. Wow. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. But that's a story right there. But you, you made it through and you advanced through the ranks. And yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about your time on Vice. Was that something that you were kind of steered towards being a female or was that something that you chose or how did that work out? You know, it's actually interesting because I always wanted to be a homicide detective. And when I actually made that transfer from the one district to the other, it, there was a lieutenant who came to me and said, you know, listen, I think you'd be a good vice detective. Are you interested? And so I said, absolutely. So, uh, and that's, that's kind of how my career took off. And I've been fortunate in that every position that I've been in, just about the position has been because somebody asked me to come. Um, domestic violence unit, um, I was asked to come. Uh, when I took the sergeant's exam, um, I was asked to go back to, 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 to downtown so I could work in internal affairs. I was asked to do that. Um, and then I was asked if I wanted to go back to the domestic violence unit as a sergeant and even in homicide. Um, I got the call from the chief and said, you know, we'd like you here in homicide. And one of those reasons was to change the culture. So um, I was honored, I was humble, and I enjoyed my time there in homicide. So Nice. And you yeah. had a long, illustrious career there, and then now you're with the uh, transit police over there. What's, uh, <laughs> what's kind of like the, uh, the daily operations of you as, as chief <laughs> over there? Well, <laughs> what are you kind of responsible for now? It's actually funny because uh, in the two and a half years that I've been here, uh, we created some programming um, because it was, it was time to, I, I would say, bring, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, because I, I, I don't mean anything negative by this, but it was time to, to kind of bring uh, transit police into uh, more 21st century places, so more progressive places. Uh, so what we did was, in the two and a half years that I've been here, we created three particular programs, uh, and they all, um, so far, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from them. One of the programs that we created was our Transit Ambassador Program. And the goal of that program was to lessen the law enforcement footprint on the system, but still providing some kind of uh, visibility. So that you see people in uniforms, but they're civilians, and their goal is to help people navigate the system, uh, be the eyes for transit police, uh, and contact us only on issues that you know may be criminally related. Um, and along with the transit ambassadors, we have our crisis intervention team, which is a co-responder team. We have social workers that are embedded with our transit police officers. And they respond directly with the officer to calls for service for people on our system who may be in need of some kind of assistance. And I'm talking about uh, people who may be unsheltered. We're talking about people who may be in, um, have a mental health crisis uh, or any kind of alcohol or substance use issues. We actually engage those people and find them the resources that they need to try and help them get, get the help that they, that they need. Okay. Okay. So, so kind of taking a, a, a holistic approach to, to policing is. and, and it is, and, it's uh, an alternative to policing because first of all, um, homelessness is not a crime and, no, it's not. um, being a public system, we see a lot of people on the system who are unsheltered. And so sometimes what that means is those crisis intervention specialists and even our transit ambassadors engage these people to where they become known, they're like on a first name basis now. They know each other and they interact. 
So sometimes, especially when dealing with people who may have some mental health issues or who may be unsheltered, you may have to interact with that person 10 times before that 11th time they say, okay, yes, I'll, I'll go ahead and get some help. But it's worth, it's, worth the, the, it's worth the work because ultimately you're trying to help this person get out of that, that cycle that they're in so that their lives can. And I, and I want to say, too, um, the, the third program that we instituted is, um, our, um, is our, our, called our CLC, our Civilian Oversight Committee. So you see a lot of departments now that are mandated by the federal government uh, that have, that because they've stepped in and created these programs to, to monitor use of the force, uh, police complaints, uh, police brutality, police misconduct. We decided to take a proactive approach and create this civilian oversight committee in the event that we, there are police complaints of this con- uh, or complaints of misconduct, so that we have that mechanism already in place to conduct investigations, make recommendations, and act on those. Um, it creates this transparency between us that um, I think is necessary to rebuild that trust in the community. So those are those are the three things that we. We just put together and I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like you're doing mm-hmm. a lot of good work over there in the, in your short time there. And uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, you came over, so it's, it's 2023. So you came over in 2021, 2020-ish, yeah. right? And that was 20, like, May the, 2021. Yeah. Okay. So that mm-hmm. was, you know, just coming out of 2020 when we had a lot of police strife with, uh, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor mm-hmm. and all that. How, how did any of that affect you and your in your previous agency and and now in your in your current agency you know i will say um one of the things that i think is a huge um detriment to law enforcement is you know i I tell people all the time that some of our wounds are selfish we've done a lot of things to create this negative uh perception about um because one of the things that we don't do or haven't done a lot is own it when we get it wrong. If we get it wrong, we need to say we got it wrong. And what I'm seeing now with some departments is they're acting uh, more quickly. They're acting more decisive uh, in dealing with some of those bad apples in, in the police department. Yeah. It's also about changing that culture um, of we're the police, we can do no wrong, and how dare you question us. Um, this is about servant leadership and, and what I try to instill in my team here at RTA and even in the team that I was with with Cleveland was that our job is basically it's, it's written on our police cards to protect and serve. You don't always have to like the people that you protect. You don't always have to like the people that you serve, but you have to do a job. You took an oath that you would do everything to the best of your ability to ensure the safety of those people that you come in contact with, period. And when we develop sometimes an attitude of, of I, I would call it almost an attitude of, um, uh, I don't want to say cockiness, but entitlement, like you better be glad that we're here for you. Um, yeah. Then that's when we have a problem. When we have police officers who put themselves in positions where they think they're better than the people that they serve, that's where the problem comes in. So what I try and instill in everybody here is that um, there's a saying, it's old and I believe in it though, and it's, you know, the police of the community, the community are the police. We are the very people that we serve and, and 
Would you want it? This is one of the questions that I ask officers all the time. If you had an emergency, would you want you to respond to your emergency? And so that's the way I want officers to think about uh, when the, I, I want them to think about that when they respond to these calls for service. How would you want to be treated? How would you want somebody that you care about to be treated by the police officer who's responding to their call for assistance? And I think that's a huge deal. Uh, one of the other things that we've done is we've expanded our community engagement. Uh, when I first got here, our police department was averaging maybe 20, 25 events a year. This year, we've done over 100 because it's important that we get out into the community and let the community know that we are out there for them. So we've done things, any, anything from, you know, toys for kids. Um, we've created our own events. We did a what you call a touch a truck event. We've, mm -hmm. we've had events on the holidays, Easter, Thanksgiving. Uh, last year, I was elf on the shelf for one of our Christmas events. Um, so it's just about going out in the community, recruiting also a diverse group of people, which is what we're doing now. And, and I'm happy to say that because I believe because of our community engagement and because we put ourselves out there with 21st century policing, unlike a lot of different departments that are losing people, we're actually gaining people. Wow. And I think that that comes from, first of all, listening to my team, um, showing them their value, um, and then going out into the community to show what we have to offer. So with that being said, I mean, when I first got here, there were only five females on this job. So we're up now to, I believe, 13, and the numbers continue to grow. So we're looking to diversify. We go out in marginalized communities. We go out, uh, for example, into the LGBT community, we recruit. Uh, we participate in the Hispanic uh, parade, the, the LGBT pride parades. These are things that we're doing. So people see us now. Yes. And what they're starting to see is a welcoming environment for them to come to. Yeah. Yeah. Do people, you, even though you guys are out there and, and promoting uh, the, the transit police department, do mm -hmm. you think people kind of get you guys confused as, as being really just a part of Cleveland uh, division of police? And, and when they apply, yeah. they're, they're just, you know, searching online for them. And you know, even though they saw you. I think what they see the difference, but I believe that what has happened in the past was that people saw transit police as a security agency. Okay. They didn't see us as actual law enforcement. And so we've been putting it out there that we have the same police powers as Cleveland, as any other local police agency. And so I think that's what the draw is. Uh, I, for one, before I even became um, chief over here, for the first few years that I was with Cleveland, when Transit Police Department was formed, I thought it was a security agency. I didn't realize that they had full police power. So we put it out there. We are the police. We are not security. And I think that we've got, so we've got those people that are coming in now saying, I want to be a part of this police department. Um, one of the things that we have offered, which some other police departments had not, is we pay you to be in the academy. We pay you $30 an hour to go through an academy. Uh, when you come out, your pay goes up to $36. So, and, and it just increases as time goes on. So you have some of the other uh, municipalities whose pay, and even with the work they do, 
their pay is not as, as, as strong as ours. It's not as high as ours. Uh, and because we're a smaller agency, we have, I believe, a, a camaraderie that some larger agencies just don't have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When you as a chief can know all the way down to the newest recruits name, mm-hmm. um, that that's appealing, you know, cause I work for an yeah. agency that's probably, you said you're about a hundred sworn. hundred sworn. Yes. Yeah. So my department is about that size. So, and, and okay. the chief knows me and knows my family and, and knows all of us. So that, that, that's appealing as opposed to, you know, a bigger agency out here like LAPD or, you know, the sheriff's department will have you and, and you're mm-hmm. out where you're at the Cleveland division. I'm sure the chief doesn't know, you know, all the all the recruits that just graduated and all that. So that, you know, there's 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 some pros and some cons to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will say, too, one of the things that's different that I learned after I got here was that the previous chief, chief didn't have what you call an open door policy. I maintain an open door policy. I, I let these guys know, guys and, and, and our females know. Anytime my door is open, if you want to pop your head in and say hello, you've got some ideas you want to present to me, some suggestions, we can sit down and we can have conversations. So, and, and also that there's nothing that I would ask them to do that I wouldn't do myself. So I've been in, I've been in a couple of pursuits with my transit police officers. You know, I've, I've, I've found a stolen car. I've, I've gone out on the road. So what? when they see you out there, they see that, you know, you are concerned for their well-being and, and, and I value them. And, and, and that's the thing. It's just about letting my officers know that not only a team, but I value them. And I, I work for them. They don't work for me. And I make that very clear. They don't work for me. I work for them. And my, my goal and my role is, as chief, is to get them the tools that they need so that they can be the best that they can be. Yes, yes. All right, Chief. Mm-hmm. That, that that's awesome that you're out there, but we we need you. We need you in that chair. So don't <laughs> don't get out there and get into those pursuits and get yourself hurt. Yeah, I got I got a call from dispatch once. I was here at four thirty in the morning, and I got a call from dispatch. They're like, "Are you in the office?" They can they can see my office. They're like, "Are you in the office?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm here." So they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, hey, I'm, "I'm working." So yeah. I'm on the road doing my thing. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm I'm never above doing what my guys. Do, so yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, you 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 were kind of talking about you know some of the appeals for working for mm-hmm. uh, transit police department, um, but you know some some recruits may see you know some of the other things like special assignments that you know you talked about that you worked over at, mm-hmm. uh, at the division of police. Do you mm-hmm. offer anything like that for, for people looking to, to go to transit police, any special assignments? Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's the other thing I didn't realize uh, uh, the first few years I was with Cleveland that transit police, uh, they are, like I said, a full-fledged police agency, but we have the largest canine unit in the state of Ohio. So we have wow. our uh, bomb detection dogs. We have patrol dogs. Um, we have a SWAT unit. We have uh, we work with the FBI, we work with uh, the DEA and other federal agencies in the Joint Terrorism Task Force. We have our own detective bureau. Um, we have our community engagement unit. So, and, and then, like I said, coming up now, we have our co-responder program where officers can get involved and work with our social workers. So there's, there's a ton of things for you to do here that a lot of people didn't realize you could do. Yes. Um, we are looking at the possibility now of training our officers so that each one is certified in evidence collection. So that's just something else to develop these officers and something that 
you know, some of the officers have asked us, like, hey, you know, we have our evidence collection people, but if I'm on scene, can I not do this myself? Yep. So we're looking at uh, trying to get as many officers trained in their own evidence collection so they can do it themselves. So um, it's, it's a great team. I, I, I can tell you this, coming here, I am less stressed. Um, I feel the, um, I feel valued by my people, by my supervisors, by my bosses, and I'm hoping that the officers that I work for feel that same value. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know uh, we were talking. You were just talking about uh, the different sort of things uh, that they can do over there, and and some of the mm-hmm. things that uh, that they want to be able to do over there. Uh, one good thing I know about working for a smaller agency is you do get to learn a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. I know um, for some of the other agencies, they have so, so specialized units that some of those officers don't get that experience to, exactly. to work certain, yep. that evidence collection. I know mm-hmm. some agencies out here, um, if you stop somebody for DUI, those officers don't even know how to do FSTs. They have to call a DUI, right. DUI unit. Mm-hmm. So some of those, some of those things, you know, working for a, a smaller agency, you can be more well-rounded. Officer. I agree 100%. And, that, and that's the goal is to get, to get my officers as well-rounded as possible. So it, it helps in their development too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what would, uh, you know, you say you're there even at four, four thirty in the morning. <laughs> what do you got to mm-hmm. do when you're not working? <laughs> is, is there a time when you're not working chief? Well, you know what? I, this last vacation was the first time uh, I actually went on vacation and did not take my laptop and did not take my phone. There uh, you go. I was in, I just got back from Mexico a couple weeks ago. Okay, and so that's one of the things I love to do. I love to travel, to get away from here, Uh, whether it's a week at a time or two weeks, or it may even just be a weekend. You know, we'll pick up and we'll go uh, just to get away from from Cleveland for a little while. Um, Where'd you go in Mexico? We went to um, we went to uh, Riviera Maya. There's a there's a adult only all inclusive, and that's all I do is adult only inclusive. (laughs) You don't want kids Uh, running around, Chief? Absolutely. You know, I got I got a twelve year old godson and I love him dearly, but there's no way in the world I would take him on vacation with me somewhere like that. It's just not gonna happen. So so I do, I enjoy training. we're we're actually looking at uh uh we're doing Hawaii. We want a trip to Hawaii next year and we're we're doing Paris later on next year, but um it's one of the things that my mother kind of instilled in me. Uh, her her favorite song. My mother passed away this year, and her favorite song was "I Hope You Dance" by Gladys Knight. So, when I go on these trips, I, you know, I might be standing at the beach, or um, you know, when I go to Hawaii, I'll be, I'll be standing around looking at the ocean, and uh, I always stand there and I'm like, "Mom, dancing. I'm I'm dancing, just like you wanted me." So, That's awesome. Uh, I think we lost some. I think we lost audio here, Chief. You hear me now? There you go. Yep. Okay. What happened there? Okay. So um, I was saying I'm a, I'm a Jeopardy fanatic, um, and I actually do crossword puzzles every day, uh, and I kind of brag about it because I can do my crossword puzzles in ink. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, because you can scratch it out and put the the real. No, correct. no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Wait, and I'm not talking about those little crossword puzzle books with the big letters. Yeah. I'm, I do New York Times crossword puzzle in right. ink every day. But it's fun because it, it, it gives me, you know, it gives me, uh, my wife calls it, I am a wealth of useless knowledge. So, um, and that's okay. So. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. You, you, we're going to put that to the test here a little bit later. Your, your wealth okay. of useless knowledge. <laughs> useless knowledge. Yeah. Uh-huh. But before we get to that, so talk about uh, kind of what's uh, your most rewarding part is, is the job as chief over there at the Transit Police Department. I think, I think what I get out of it most is to see a lot of the younger officers that are coming up. Uh, and I'm hoping that I can make a positive impression on them and help them to realize that policing it, it as corny as it sounds, because I used to hear it all the time. It's not, it's not just a profession. It's, it, it's an actual call. And it's something you have to really enjoy doing. And, and, I'm fortunate in my career that I've enjoyed uh, policing to the point where it's gone by so fast, I think, because I have enjoyed it. And any impact or positive impact I can make on another police officer, male or female, older, uh, I I want to be able to do that. So um, I'm an an instructor, uh, state certified and a federally certified instructor. Um, And so I want to impart that knowledge onto other people. I don't believe in hoarding knowledge. I don't believe in hoarding experience Experience because I believe that there's, you know, I have people that were there for me when I was coming up and I want to be that same person for others who are, you know, really, really enjoying their, their law enforcement career. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, what's the kind of more challenging part of your job as chief? <laughs> Sometimes I would say it's the bureaucracy, but I don't really get a lot of that here. Uh, I got a lot of that in Cleveland. It was the bureaucracy. You have to go through all of these channels to get some of the things that you want. Uh, I've been fortunate here that um, I've been able to get just about everything that I've asked for and get the support from my COO and from my CEO um, so that we can develop this department so that, that, uh, will be the agency that other people ascribe to be. Um, I will say that that uh, one of the challenges that I've experienced throughout my career is being uh, a female in law enforcement who I, I like to say is good at what, good at what she does. Um, you know, as a female, we've been conditioned to minimize our accomplishments. Uh, but I will say that you know, I've worked hard for everything that I had. It, it, nothing was just handed to me. And, and I wasn't selected because I checked all the boxes. And I think that's one of the things that I find the challenge sometimes is I know that there are people out there who believe no matter what my accomplishments are, no matter how I've done all this stuff and all this little stuff you see on the back wall here, um, there are some people who will, who will never come off of the idea that I'm here because I check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a little frustrating. Sometimes it can be a little challenging. But I, I'm like my mother. I use the words I can show you better than I can tell you that I've earned my seat at the table. That part. That part. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. Love it. All right, Chief. Hey, I, I love everything you, you've gone through and that you've told us about here today and, and that you're growing your department and your position there. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but that, hey, you are not done. Like I told you, we've got something special here for you. So oh, oh, no, you're, oh, you're not done. Okay. No, no, right, you're not done. no, no definitely you're not done as, as the chief of police over <laughs> here, but we're not done on this <laughs> podcast. All right, let me set this up for you. This here is right. black or blue, black or blue, black or blue, black okay. or blue, black or blue. All right, Chief, this is my black or blue game, and your category today is believing in Cleveland. Okay. Believing in Cleveland, right. and that means famous people from Cleveland. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going to tell you a person, and you, all you got to do is tell me, are they from Cleveland, whether they were born or raised in Cleveland or not? Real simple. Okay. Famous people. All right. I'm sure you've heard of a, a few in your in your day that are from there. So let's see what you what you do know about it. Here we go. Here's your first okay. one here. How about right. uh, Drew Carey? Is he from Cleveland or not? Drew, Drew Carey is from Cleveland. Yes. He, yes, he definitely is from Cleveland. <laughs> all right. See, off to a good start. See, just like that. Just like that. So, okay. All right. Here we go. How about the next one? How about Will Smith? Is he from Cleveland? Will Smith is not from Cleveland. Yeah, that's he is not from Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, we all know he's from, he, he lets everybody know he's from West Philly. Right. <laughs> Born and raised, if, if you know the song. Born and raised. <laughs> yes, I remember. See, yeah. Now you're telling my age again, yeah, but okay, yeah. sorry. Hey, I'm with you, Chief. How about Janet Jackson? Janet Jackson, absolutely not. Janet Jackson is Gary, Indiana, I believe. Yep. Her and the Jackson mm-hmm. clan are from Gary, Indiana, so she mm-hmm. is not from Cleveland. How about, um, Halle Berry, she from Cleveland? Halle Berry's Cleveland. She went to Bedford High School. Oh, yes. wow, you do know that one. Yes, she is from <laughs> Cleveland. Yes. 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 All right, good deal, good deal. How about your next one here? How about uh, Steve Harvey? Is he from Cleveland? Steve Harvey is from Cleveland, yes. Yes, he is from Cleveland. A lot of people from Cleveland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. yeah. How about your next one here? How about uh, Paul McCartney? Is he from Cleveland? <laughs> Uh, no, Paul McCartney's no, no. not Cleveland. <laughs> Unless it's Cleveland, London. No, he's yeah. not. He's not. <laughs> yes, exactly. He is not from Cleveland. All right. Uh, you are all the way uh, aces right now. How about the next one here? How okay. about uh, Barack Obama? Is he from Cleveland? Barack Obama is, a- as much as I wish he was from Cleveland, yeah, <laughs> he's from Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, yes. Hawaii or, or Chicago by by way of uh, yes. Hawaii, but yes, definitely not Cleveland. All right, right. Uh, how about um, Doctor Oz? Doctor Oz from Cleveland? No, Doctor Oz is not. Cool. Oh, your first one wrong there. What? Doctor Oz is, is from Cleveland. He is from Cleveland. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. I did not know that. I yeah. had no idea. I didn't either, but that's what Google said. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. Well, right. we're, um, we're still not claiming him. So okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Next, okay. Next, <laughs> on to the next. On to the next. <laughs> How about uh, J Lo? Is she from Cleveland? She is not. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she's she's not from Cleveland. Jenny Jenny yeah. from the block is from. Uh, where's she from? New York or somewhere around there? Yeah, she's but not Cleveland. Not Cleveland. Not Cleveland. All right. And uh, Arsenio is Arsenio Hall from Cleveland. Arsenio Hall is from Cleveland. Yes, he is. All right. You, you know most of these here. Couple more here for you. How okay. About, um, Selma Hayek is she from Cleveland? She is not from Cleveland. She's not from Cleveland either. <laughs> I mean, she's like from Columbia or something like that. So yeah, she's right. Not, yeah, yeah, not from Cleveland. And uh, about Terrence Howard, is he from Cleveland? I believe Terrence Howard is from Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, he mm-hmm. is. He is from Cleveland. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
How about your last one? How about LeBron? LeBron Come on Jackson. now. <laughs> That's the that Akron proud Cleveland press. That is the that is the given. That is the given. He oh, yeah. is, he is, he is. I don't care what team he plays for. I'm watching LeBron. I'm yeah, Team yeah. LeBron. My all- <laughs> yeah, he's out all here now. He's out here I, now. He's ours I, now. But yeah, he's he's just, uh, <laughs> born and born and bred from Cleveland. So hey, yes. you got more right than you got wrong. So we are gonna call you all I do is win, the winner. Okay. Well, thank you. What is my price? Tell me the price. You, um, bragging rights. You can, you can tell everybody okay. out there. I'll take that. that. I'll that take you, bragging that rights. That, yeah, that, that you, you only got one wrong. And then, and, and, okay. and you All dispute right. that. I'll take we, the bragging. And again, we're not going to count that one. So no. you can say I'm perfect. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> hey, Chief, how about some uh, words of wisdom before we get you out of here for the audience? Uh, one thing that I will say is that um, growing up, even though I wanted to be a police officer, I never thought I would be in a position to be chief and run a police department. So what I will tell people is that I am living proof that you can be anything you want to be. And anytime somebody tells you that you can't, you make sure you go out of your way to prove them wrong. So uh, it's been a great ride. I'm not ready yet to be for it to be over. And, uh, you know, come and, and put in the application to transit police. We're hiring. They are hiring. You guys are hiring. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yes, hopefully, we are. hopefully you'll be there for, for a while and, and uh, you can change the culture. It sounds like you're changing the culture there already. So it sounds like a great place to be. It is. And I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So I'm good. All right. Good deal. Good deal. All right, Chief. Hey, I appreciate you coming on to the show and, and, uh, this has been a long time coming and I appreciate you and mm-hmm. yeah, having fun out there. Winter's winter's coming though. Winter's coming for <laughs> pretty, pretty quick. So, you know, I, you know what? I really didn't need you to remind me, yeah. but thank you anyway. <laughs> okay. Hey, you know, I'm out here you're in rubbing California. It in. That's okay. I'm out That's here okay. in, in Southern California. It's November yeah, and it's I know. still you're like r- almost, you're rubbing it in, right. You know? But I'm saying I want it to cool down cause it's still like in the nineties and I'm, I'm kind of over that right now already so you know my, my mother said god don't like ugly okay yeah i might visit i might visit uh uh columbus for a little bit but you know not when it's snowing i, I can't do snow I, I went there i went there uh, a few years ago when my, when my grandmother died i went to my cousin's house mm-hmm. and and uh and uh she let me use her car to go run some errands and stuff and it was there was snow and ice on the ground i didn't know nothing about yeah. that and i was slipping and sliding i'm well, like oh Take this car back. And it's not as bad as Cleveland. Cleveland is worse than Columbus. So yeah. you, you got to come and experience the real deal up here. It's real winter up here. That's right, because you guys are north. Yes, we are. Right yeah. on the lake. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. No, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you change your mind. Just look me up. I'll be there in the spring or the fall. Okay. All right, Chief. Look me up. Get here. I will. I will. All right, Chief. Okay. I appreciate you. You have a good day. All right. All right. Thank you. You too. You take care okay. now. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye bye. Hey, another great interview with an equally great guest is in the books. I want to thank Chief Jones for taking time out of her busy schedule to visit with us here on the Black and Blue Podcast. It was an honor, Chief Jones, and I hope our paths cross sometime in the future. If you guys enjoyed this conversation with Chief Jones too, go on ahead and let me know by leaving a comment down below. And don't forget to like and share this video while you're at it. I'll be back before you know with another hot episode just like this one. But till then, y'all, you know what I'm about to say. 
Stay black and blue. I'll holla at you. Deuces. This has been a Maitre D Entertainment presentation.